3: What's happening, Packer fans? Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast, along with the Acme Packing Company. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter, at Andy Herman NFL. You know the other guy, the one and only, Justice Mosqueda. You can follow him on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Justice, great to have you back, and great to be chatting with you once again. How is your Packers life? My Packers life has been good, you know, quite
2: recently, but I think I got like five or six posts up today up at APC, so... A couple of things happen. I mean, you get the weird wonky uh, Monday pseudo practice coming off of the Thursday game and stuff like that. So we got a little bit of news today. A couple little nuggets.
3: Yeah, you saw Bo Melton obviously gets released. James Robinson gets released. Obviously, mostly good news on the injury you know front. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon not practicing along with the release of James Robinson was a bit weird looking over at the running back group and literally only seeing Patrick Taylor and Ellis Merriweather at running back. Um but overall I thought it was a, a positive day of news and um yeah just kind of an interesting injury report if nothing else.
2: Yeah and I think that you know they they weren't willing to comment or at least Matt wasn't um about it, uh, about uh Aaron Jones status, you know, coming coming into this week. Um he was like, you know, check the injury reports all that, we're way too far out which totally fine we got a Sunday game, you know, and it's it's only a Monday, but um I I think the uh the move of getting rid of James Robinson kind of foreshadows a little bit of how they feel about Aaron Jones, right? Like I I don't think they make that move if uh, they don't think Aaron Jones at least has a chance to go this week.
3: Yeah, you would think so. Or at least one of Dylan slash Jones, if not potentially both. So just to kind of recap the full, uh, you know, notable injury report. So first of all, Bo Melton and James Robinson were not there. They were released. It's possible that both could end up back on the practice squad, although You would think that they would have done it procedurally so that both could have continued to practice if they wanted to do it that way, but I'm not sure. Maybe there was a rule or something that they couldn't, but who knows? We'll see if they end up back in the practice squad. Josiah DeGuara was not practicing. Emmanuel Wilson and Luke Tenuta, both on IR, but both were in the rehab group. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones uh, were both also in the rehab group and not participating, although Aaron Jones did warm up with everyone And then went with the rehab group, unlike everyone else, Emmanuel Wilson, Luke Tenuta, AJ Dillon, who just remained on the exercise bikes. I think uh, DeGuara was over there, too, but he didn't have a jersey on, so I couldn't quite tell as easily. Uh, But yeah, so the rest were with the, the rehab group, but Jones did stretch with the team. So hopefully that's a good sign for him. And then the notable players that were practicing included Jair Alexander, which hopefully that's good news. Eric Stokes, which it sounds like they're probably going to ramp up. I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be active this week, but you never quite know. Darnell Savage, it sounds like he was close last week and they were hopeful last week, but it just didn't happen. I would think that he's probably trending to be activated this week. Dontavian Wicks cleared concussion protocol, so he should be good to go moving forward. Devondre Campbell and Rudy Ford both out there practicing as well. So overall, pretty, pretty solid injury report. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of what they need. I, w- I will say, if you're
2: keeping track of roster spots and stuff, right, they they have two open roster spots on the 53, obviously, you know, Sar- Savage and Stokes had their practice windows open. I would assume that unless they pick someone off waivers tomorrow, and I don't even know who went on waivers today, that, you know, would be worth taking a look at. Um, yeah. I would assume those two spots are kind of earmarked for those two guys, and then you have two practice squad spots open that could go to Ford and Robinson, but the Packers just worked out six guys on Monday. Again, because it's this weird, funky week, usually they end up working those guys out on Tuesday. Maybe they bring in more on Tuesday. They've done that a couple times um, throughout the season, but they worked out six guys today. Three of them were tight ends, and the Packers don't have a practice squad tight end right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if they like brought Melton back to the practice squad and then just said, you know, thanks, you know, James Robinson for playing emergency running back. You didn't play a single snap in this game. Um, but you know, we we needed the assurance of, you know, just having a warm body that knew the playbook there. Um, and uh take taking a tight end, you know, to kind of replace his role.
3: Yeah, the only there was really only two, well, three players, I guess, technically, that were released on Monday. Matt Amendola, the kicker. That's not happening. Uh, Marcus Peters, the old corner that got released by the Raiders, don't see that happening. The only other one that would maybe be interesting only because of the team that he's coming from is Roderick Teamer, who is a safety for the Raiders who has been there for four seasons, so does have some Rich Passaccia experience. Yeah, I Um, think he just got a
2: DUI though, which is why he ended up getting kicked off that team. So Sort of frowned
3: upon. Yeah. Yeah, so probably not that either. So, yeah, there's probably not anyone that got released on Monday that – is probably of too much interest for green Bay would be my guess. Yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. Um, anything else that sort of, I mean, obviously if, if they can get some of these guys back, uh, let me ask you this. I asked Nagler this today when we were talking on, on his show, the 50 year old um, weirdo.
2: What's that? The 50 year old weirdo. Did you see the McAfee clip that's floating around?
3: No, I did not.
2: Oh, uh, well Nagler retweeted it. So it's fun to make fun of him for it. But, uh, uh you know they they found the old mcafee clip of uh you know him asking if if goot is any good at his job right i I saw that 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 went viral this weekend and then mcafee said that nagler was in his mentions and called him a 50 year old weirdo so i will absolutely be rubbing that in his face next time i grab beers with him
3: (laughs) that is absolutely amazing no i did not see it so uh just uh like you know, logistics thing here. I, my kiddo has soccer like right before we get here and I'm like going crazy. So I have, Uh, I talk with Nagler. I talk with Marcus Eversol. I pick up my kid for soccer, go to soccer game, and then I immediately chat with you. So like I am like out of the loop for like three hours prior to us talking. So you get to break news to me sometimes every single week when we do this. Like uh, I think a transaction a couple weeks ago and then today finding out that uh, Nagler got uh, thrown out there on McAfee. So no, I did not catch that, but that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was good. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I was talking with him and I apologize if maybe I asked you this question, too, because we may have talked about it um, recently as well. But all the safeties are back healthy. Let's say they are. You've got Savage, Owens, Rudy Ford and Anthony Johnson, Jr. Who are your two starters?
2: Uh, you roll with the two guys that that took you this far, I think, you know, Savage and, and Ford, I think, are their guys. Um, Ford's been playing better than I expected. They keep talking up. Savage like crazy to the point that, you know, yeah. e- even uh, today, you know, LaFleur in the presser was talking about, you know, how much he's developed as, you know, not only a player, but as a man and stuff like that. I almost wonder, like, is Savage going to get resigned Like, even if it's just like a one-year deal or something like that, they seem to like him. Yeah. Um, so I think that's at least a possibility at this point. I, I can't envision them make it much of a change. Um, Jonathan Owens, I would have said, you know, put him forth on the depth chart behind Anthony Johnson, you know, coming into this past week, but he just had, you know, e- easily his best game that he's had, you know, in Green Bay. So I think that's going to be a tough ask for him, um, you know, to, to move him down the depth chart, even in those three safety looks or whatever. Owens played something like 90 something snaps in this game. He played like 16 special team snaps on top of every single defensive snap. I mean, got the touchdown, all that stuff, had one play where he just came down like a hammer on a run yep. play. Um, thought he was shaky on the first drive. And I was very worried that it was going to be like the Jonathan Owens game. Like, you, you know, you you finally go against a half decent quarterback and you get lit up. Um, that didn't, that wasn't the case. That simply was not the case. So.
3: No, it's a good problem to have. And I think Owens is outside of the one game, acquitted himself very, very well and has shown that he definitely has value on this team, not only as a depth piece at safety, but also on special teams as well. So uh, he's definitely earned it. I, I am, I, I'm with you. I think what they will do is go Ford and Savage. Uh, I a little bit more lean towards Ford and Anthony Johnson jr. Just cause I kind of want to see Anthony Johnson jr. Play, but I don't think that's going to be the case. How they do the number three safety. If like there is a, you know, one that goes down or anything like that would be interesting to me, or do they try to get Anthony Johnson jr. On the field in some dime packages, that would be interesting to me but I'm with you if I have to read the tea leaves as to what I think they would do I, I think it would be Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage yeah and they play that dime spot a little weird we've
2: seen it uh what probably two or three games this season when they've had the, the you know that dime spot you know game planned into the game um and they have like a designated guy for that right like Benny Sapp played that role it wasn't one of these cornerbacks off the bench so um I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Johnson jr ends up playing that role for him a little bit.
3: I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility. I think Robert Rochelle got one snap. I blue Kelly got one snap in it a couple of weeks ago. Like it, it's really weird how they end up doing it. Sometimes it's a corner. Sometimes it's a safety, but once everyone's back, it'll be really interesting if they get Stokes and Jair back and everything like that, yeah. then the rotations in the backfield become very, very interesting. But We've been saying this all year, though, and it's week 12. No one, it never They, happened. they haven't ever been, all
2: been healthy at the same time. So,
3: Yeah, it, it'll somebody else will get hurt. It's like just the law of Green Bay's defensive backfield room, I guess, is that once two come back, two other ones must get hurt by some law back in 1821. Uh, all right, let's talk about the main event. Let's talk about Jordan Love. In its simplest terms, where are you at in the confidence meter that Jordan Love is the franchise guy for Green Bay moving forward? Uh, moving forward, I mean, he's gonna be the guy going
2: into next year. I mean, you yeah. can throw away all the, you know, all the caution to the wind at this point. Um that was his, easily his best game, I thought. Um, just in terms of him as a pure passer. There's a couple times where he's just hitting the check down so fast because, you know, he quick pressure, he will just throw that swing route like it's nothing, right? Um, but you know, the deep downfield stuff, I mean, that's as good as it's been all season. Um the Packers are firmly out of the quarterback race in terms of the draft right now, at least in terms of the top two guys. I don't know how many quarterbacks are going to go top 50. Um, You know, maybe you get a Bo Nix there who knows about Jaden Daniels, but that's like a very different type of quarterback. I I don't really envision them being in the quarterback market in the draft. Um, They don't have the money really to be competitive. In free agency, plus like I don't know, are we sure Kirk Cousins off of an Achilles injury is going to be any better than Jordan Love? Like, so I, I I think you start ruling out all those things. Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback moving forward. Um, thought you know Lafleur the past couple weeks, right? Like this is exactly what you needed. Um, it wasn't a scheme problem. We said so many times, like it's hard to evaluate Jordan Love when there's so many you know guys are running wrong routes and the protection issues are, are you know. Falling through and all that stuff. Um, Now you get a little bit of more consistency on the offensive line, despite the fact that they're rotating guys, Um, guys seem to be running the right routes now. And, you know, we're seeing the success. This is exactly what we need to see. Just the incremental steps um, in the passing game to kind of make you see that, like, you know, all this developmental time was worth it and to kind of see it through to the
3: end. Let me follow up with that then by asking, like, where are you at from like a long-term contract standpoint? Are you nervous about a Daniel Jones situation? Do you just think it's a foregone conclusion at this point? Like, where are you at from that standpoint? I mean, they have
2: another year in the tag. So I'm not that worried, really. I mean, I I, I don't envision this team after witnessing – Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for 30 years, I don't envision this team overplaying a hand for a a mid-level quarterback, right? So if he is a mid-level quarterback, I kind of expect him to get paid like a mid-level quarterback, right? And if they don't think that the asking price is kind of what they see, I mean, I assume Russ Ball would just kind of put his foot down and say, like, we don't see value in that. We need to move on. But that's not going to happen until I mean 2025 at the very earliest so
3: it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out i think the really nice thing is they do have the remainder of the season to play out clearly and see how yeah. things go that, that's things- what i mean is there, there's so much time like there's
2: so yeah. much time to evaluate and we're seeing the line goes up right now so once we see the plateau we could make the evaluation on what the plateau is going to look like but this is why you give him that extension right that's why you give him the extension at the beginning of the year instead of just playing out this contract turning down the fifth year option and saying like okay we need to tag jordan love oh no his cap hit is so big we need to get an extension done in february the packers have you know what is it going to be like 23 regular season games before you know they even need to decide if they want to hit him with the tag or not like that's yeah that's why you do these things
3: no, big time. It gives them a ton of flexibility and allows them to you know, really play out as much as they want to play out. And if they ever get to that point where, like, yeah, he's a million percent the guy, we want to make him the long term franchise guy, they have yeah. the means to do so. So uh, I think patience is still the right direction to take. Uh, I think being too over aggressive on it has more, like, far more downside than it has upside at this point. And, like, here's the thing, right? If all of a sudden, like in six weeks from now, if he's all of a sudden looking already like a top eight quarterback and he's just like dominating, that's a great problem to have. Like you'll, you'll figure out how to pay him one way or the other. And yeah, maybe you could have paid him a little bit less if you do that before that massive breakout, but you're, you're not too upset that that happened and that's the direction that you're going in. It's
2: way, way, way too much of the conversation around quarterbacks has revolved around Uh, their contracts and all that stuff and and what that means for the team moving forward. Like the guy, the player is what is the most important there. Daniel Jones isn't bad for the Giants because of his contract. It hurts the Giants more that Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's what it really boils down to in the end. And yeah, I mean, if if love plays the remaining six games, like he's played the last four, I would assume that he's going to get a contract this offseason, just because there's, why why wouldn't you and what the guarantees look like who knows um you could probably get him cheaper than if he you know played that same way over uh, two you know a season and a half instead of just a half a season um but i i feel pretty firmly that you know this organization has its head on straight in terms of quarterback value and what it's going to do moving forward and not to stretch itself too thin if they don't think that the guy is actually going to be the guy so
3: I think that's well said and I totally agree with you. I, I think they'll they'll manage this one where like it, it it's hard to imagine that they really screw this up in some capacity. I can't imagine them giving him a mega deal and then he's terrible. And I can't imagine he's great and they don't figure out a way for him to be on the team. And those are the only two yeah. like catastrophic scenarios, and I can't imagine either of those really happening, to be honest. No, I mean, yeah, again, there's plenty of time too. Like, that's, yep. that's the other thing. We all want immediate answers. Like, the season isn't even over. The season isn't to be, even over. To be clear, I don't need an immediate answer from the Packers. I just need an immediate answer from you, Justice. That's all I'm looking for. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let, let's go to the other side because I, I'm honestly at a complete and total loss at this one, and I don't know how to reconcile my feelings. So, I'm going to need you to solve all of the problems for me. It feels almost blasphemous to uh, you know even like think about giving joe Barry any credit um it feels like immediately like i look up and there's like arrows pointed at me if i if i say anything nice about some of the stuff that he's done um I, it still doesn't feel totally right and it feel like it, it doesn't always it, it mostly doesn't pass the eye test when i'm watching it and i still think there's like the situational awareness and some of those sort of things just is like weirdly bizarre in a really bad way at times. And I want to be entirely clear. I'm not saying that he's the guy or the future or that he's like, Oh my God, he's one of the greatest in the world at the same token. It does feel like, uh, and I don't know where they ended up at the end of the week, if they're still top 10 in scoring defense or if they fell out of that or not, I didn't look at it since the week. And I guess technically as we're recording this, the week isn't totally technically over yet, but For a guy that's basically in the top 10 in scoring defense, regardless of the teams that they've played, it's coming off two pretty decent games defensively, even though a lot of it involved a little bit of luck against the Chargers. Um, Two pretty good games against two good offenses these past two weeks. The only time, going back to I think like five or six games left at the end of last season up until now, that they allowed over 30 points in a game was Detroit in week four. In fact, that was the only time that they allowed more than 25 points in a game. And I know I posted this on Twitter. I just posted like the statistics. I didn't even have like a take with it. And immediately it was hate and vitriol and like, ah, you know, pitchforks and everything. I I honestly don't know. Like a part of me feels like is the wool being pulled over my eyes and like they're actually doing fairly well on defense. And we all just want to hate so much on it that we're blind to it. Or is it literally like our eye test is right? It's not good enough. The stats are fake. Or is it somewhere in the middle? Well, I think there's a lot
2: of stats right? Like you could look at the run defense stats and the run defense right. still is not good, right? So yep. um, I think there's a lot of things going on. I think this is a young football team, even on the defensive side. I think this defense has been really banged up, right? The Packers were out eight preferred starters um, over the entire team, not just the defensive side. But like we mentioned at the beginning of this, like that DB room hasn't been healthy, you know, together this entire season, all that stuff. Joe Barry definitely got uh, this team through a pretty difficult time in terms of like the offense getting their bumps or bruises and stuff like that. And every opportunity that Matt LaFleur has to speak to the media, he stands up for Joe Barry pretty hard, right? Like go back to that 2D line thing that we talked about, right? Where it's like, that's not really what it meant, but he like twisted stuff to, and I'm not blaming him for it. I mean, he's riding for his guys. You guys are in a foxhole coaching and stuff like that. You hear a snippet of outside noise and you're like, shoot that thing down immediately. Right. Yeah. Um, I kind of think this is just like how front office politics plays out a little bit. Like this is stuff happens all the time and, you know, small sample sizes do kind of decide uh, job security in a lot of ways. Right. Like a couple of games swings a whole lot. Think about how we were talking about just the offense in general um, coming into this past month. Right. Like there's huge difference between now and then. So, I think Barry's job is safe unless there's a massive collapse at the end of the season. I think Lafleur's handcuffed himself to Barry, right or wrong, and he said, that's my guy going into the season. And Barry's defense from a points-per-game perspective is solid. Now, you could do all the drive stuff and say, like – the Packers are, you know, in theory a running offense, so like the clock should be running, and you know it's a low possession game in general, right? It's not like they're yep. trying to be the Kansas City Chiefs, trying to be the first person to score forty in each game to make sure that they win these ball games or anything like that. Um, I think everyone kind of has a point, and I think at the end of the day, the like if they weren't going to get rid of Joe last year, I don't think this year is bad enough to can. And I don't think LaFleur wants to can him. So I don't think LaFleur is going to can him. And I don't think anyone's going to make LaFleur can him, frankly. So, like, unless something drastically changes in the next six weeks, I think Barry's job is safe. And that's just the situation. The other thing, too, is, um, you know, coming into this year, right or wrong, right? Like, this was going to be a developmental year, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, right? so you fire Barry and we just spent a year developing these guys for a system that they're not going to play, or we hire a defensive coordinator that runs the same Joe Barry system and like nothing fundamentally changes. And all we did was just cost the team a buyout. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I were again, I'm not too worried about it. Honestly, like this just kind of feels like what the defense is going to be for right now we're not really competing for a title or anything. So I don't really care that much. Like some of the things have been solved. Like um, was it last? Yeah, it was last game where uh, the lions did all the weird empty stuff and the Packers were checking, checking when they were in empty in heavy personnel and they were in bait, like all the stuff that they said that they couldn't do against Devante, like they were able to do in this game. So We're seeing fewer mistakes from that perspective. And that's what you hold Barry responsible for the most. Right. So
3: I do feel like they're evolving in some capacity. The checks that you mentioned, I also think we've seen some more for down linemen for lack of a better term i don't even want to use that term anymore but like we've seen some four guys across the line with their hand in the dirt from time to time they've seemed to you know try some different things against the run it's not always working still but they're they're yeah. trying different things and they're making it i think a little bit harder and a little bit less predictable for opposing offenses which i think is important and i'm with you i i do think if things were to end the same right now i think joe barry's back next year also agree with you and i've said the same exact thing that if, if the, like next year, they're not competing for a Super Bowl anyway. So if it takes them one more year to evaluate Joe Barry, it's fine. So be it. And like maybe it's the same. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. We'll see. They can always make changes down the line if they need to. But um, I don't I like if, if you were like taking a look at it just in like a vacuum. I don't think this is a fireable season for Joe Barry as much as I think a lot of people don't want
0: to hear that. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: What's going on, Packer fans? It is time... That you make, Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza. That every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and then you can get ready for football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it, and more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it pizza, pizza. So I'm not going to lie. When I'm in the middle of Packer season, I don't always eat the best. It's by far my busiest time of year. I don't have a ton of time to make healthy meals. And because of that, I end up eating a lot of unhealthy foods. And when I'm not eating healthy, my digestive system doesn't always feel the best. And I end up feeling less focused, more stressed, and it just feels like my immune system is fighting with an arm behind its back. That's why I tried AG1. I was tired of being tired and I was tired of being unfocused and I needed to kickstart my immune system and increase my energy. And when I started drinking AG1 daily, I could feel the difference in my digestive health and my daily energy. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop includes probiotics for gut support, B vitamins for energy, and zinc to help support my immune health. And that's why Pack-A-Day is proud to be sponsored by AG1. AG1 is the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It seems absolutely wild to me that Thanksgiving is already over and we're already racing through the holidays. And before you know it, it's going to be New Year's Day 2024. Part of me is incredibly excited for the holidays, the hustle and bustle, the magic, the love, the giving, everything amazing that goes into it every single year. But there's another part of me that's anxious, nervous, sad, emotional, and kind of just ready to put the holidays behind me and fast forward right past everything. For me, I always find it stressful trying to find the perfect gift for people to try to make everyone's holiday a perfect success and to make sure everything goes off without a hitch. If we're being real, we all know that this time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to have a wide range of emotions and feelings during the holiday chaos. That's where therapy has come up huge for me. Amongst all the anxious and chaotic moments, therapy has been the anchor that's kept me grounded and the guiding light to get me through the season. I've learned to keep an eye on the positives, to avoid the triggers that cause me to be anxious, and to focus on all the joy and love that's surrounding me during the holidays. If you think that therapy could benefit you, it's time to give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp will flex to your needs, your schedule, and your unique situation. You too can find your bright spot this holiday season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash packaday. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. Sports made easy. Yeah, I mean, again, they didn't do it last
2: year, yeah. right? And you had you had Rodgers, and I know they got hot down the stretch and all that stuff, but this defense has been more consistent. I know the run game stuff is a little frustrating, but at the end of the day, you look at all, all of the stats and all the way the things are trending in the NFL right now, and it's like, yeah, you'd rather have a good shell pass defense than have a good run defense, and that's where we're at right now.
3: Is is the running game in the NFL the mid-range jumper of the NBA where defenses are saying we can't allow layups, we can't allow three pointers, we'll let you shoot mid-range jumpers all day because it's a lower percentage shot and it's only a two-pointer instead of like an open three. Is like the running game to some teams, like, hey, we we can't allow the big explosives. And we can't allow a bunch of stuff through the passing game. We're going to give you yards in the running game because we don't think you can do it consistently enough. Maybe you get a holding penalty or whatever. But it almost feels like the same way where like when you watch an NBA game sometimes and you see some of the mid-range teams that are just really, really good, just living in the mid-range and just drilling stuff against some of these teams that just protect the the paint and the three-point line. Um, It almost it feels a little bit that way to me. And I'm almost wondering if like that's their extreme that they're going with. And they really just don't care if you run the ball that well. And they're just really doing everything they can to limit some of the, the big time passing yards and some of the explosives and those sort of things.
2: I yeah, I mean, I very much agree with that. I mean, that's kind of how this whole defense and this defensive revolution is kind of constructed, right? Everyone in the yeah. NFL has gotten away from the single high safety stuff for the most part in terms of, you know, we line up in it, we play in it. Uh, we don't move out of it. We let you know that it's coming and we're, we're just gonna be better than you doing that. Where, you know, most teams now are, they're playing split high. Um, if they need a help and run support, they'll rotate a guy down. Right, maybe in play um, and still present those two high safeties pre snap and all that stuff. So, yeah, very, very much um, along those lines. The other thing I would say is I would kind of separate inside run and outside run if you're going to think about it like that. Like, I think teams are very willing to concede inside run in the NFL just because it's really hard to pop those plays at the NFL level unless you're getting multiple missed tackles. Right. And then at that point, if you can't tackle, that's a personnel issue to a certain extent, right? Because you can't really practice it, right? The Packers get something like twelve padded practices in a season, and that's just padded, right? That's yep. not like those guys only going, you know, full tackle attempts, the you yeah. know, for the whole ninety minutes of that, right? Like that's that's not how this thing is working out. Um, I think the edge plays are where it gets more interesting because I think a lot of teams right now are getting into. I think the answer used to be just run like outside zone and then teams are stopping that outside zone now. So you're having to get into a lot more like pin and pull counter type of world where you're trying to spring uh, sweeps is another one where you're trying to spring big runs and try to uh, make defenses pay in that way. Right. Where it's like, okay, you don't want to bring a guy down. Like, okay, we'll try to, you know, crash, crack down an edge, get a really good block somewhere on the edge and uh you know, have our running backs who are all world athletes um, take that thing for 20 yards instead of six yards, like we would up the middle. So that's kind of just the world we're living in. And I believe Matt, when he says like, this is the defense I want to run. So why would I change it? Like, if you're looking at it from his perspective, it is what it is. Like, I don't know. Does anyone have the clout to tell Matt LaFleur, like who should be on his staff at this point? I don't, I don't think so, right? Like maybe in a world where the general manager is the head coach's direct report, that could happen. But that's not the situation now, right? We've talked about how, you know, Murphy came in and he was like, okay, both of you guys are going to report to me, right? Instead of the other way around where, um, you know, a lot of times uh, Mike McCarthy was reporting to Ted Thompson and that's how it used to work. So this is the way the organizational structure works. This is office politics. This happens everywhere um yep I don't think the Packers are special
3: and to be fair you know he's not hesitated from pulling the trigger on firing coordinators in the past he's got rid of two yep. special teams coordinators a defensive coordinator already in his tenure so you know, if he feels he needs to go in another direction he will and he clearly has not felt that way about Joe so far so the the other thing too is like who are we going to bring in right like that's
2: another big question and I don't want to make that like a red herring or anything like that. Like, yeah, I understand there are qualified people out there in the NFL. Um Like Gio Evero, who knows if he's going to survive in Carolina, right? He's a guy that a lot of people yeah. uh, wanted, you know, the first time around and stuff like that. So like, maybe that's an answer. Right. Um, But again, he runs the same type same. of scheme. Um, <laughs> but like, I've seen people say like, Go, go give Jim Schwartz whatever you want. Jim Schwartz isn't going to leave. No. Why would he leave for Green Bay? Like, Matt is in a position right now where if the Packers have, like, a really bad season next year, who who knows what happens, right? Like, the, the fact that um, you're not coming off of playoff success and you're a veteran coach is not a positive thing when you're in the hiring market for a new coordinator, right? Yeah. Um, plus this isn't college football. You just don't buy someone else's defensive coordinator and he just comes and takes the job. That's not how this thing works.
3: Right. And it seems like a lot of the names that people are throwing out there, like you said, Averro, There um, we got jobs. Yeah. And, or, got and jobs. Like Brandon Staley or like, you know, for right. the Chargers, like it's the same system. It's the right. same system. And I, to me that, and, the, and as you mentioned as well, if they do go a different system, well that doesn't necessarily always just like translate right away either it, it, it's a lot more complicated than I think just the hashtag Fireberry Barry like, makes it seem sometimes. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting the, the rest of the way, but I, I think it's, I think it's Barry's job uh, for better or worse. And then we'll see what 2024 brings is kind of where I'm at. Oh, the other yep. thing too, is like, it's amazing. It's amazing how this system works differently when you get turnovers, like it looks a whole heck of a lot better against Detroit and against the chargers, when you get turnovers like you and you come up with those and it's like, Oh yeah, this, this works. Like you can go against some of the top offenses and like, you can kind of hold them down a little bit and you make some explosive. Like, yeah, you get those turnovers that look you know, like it, it, it can very much work They when they're not getting turnovers, like almost any defense in the world, you're not getting turnovers. It's not going to look very good more often than not. Pressure is another one. I mean, yeah, we we had
2: a while where the pass rush unit wasn't looking the best. Right. And then this past game, you know, for Sean Gary, he's able sure. to just be that guy, right? Like, that completely changes what you can do. And that was against, you know, the best offensive line probably in full. It's them it's or the Eagles. Um, So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's a, game, it's a
3: game-to-game, week-to-week, you know, league. Sometimes uh, me, you have it, sometimes you don't. Let me go with the overarching state of the team with you because I want to know for you, for the rest of this season – what now constitutes success. Cause I think when we started the season, I'm, I'm assuming you're in a general same page of like, we wanted to see progress. You wanted to see competitive football. You wanted to see those things. I think for the most part, for me, it's in that same vein still, but now you're in this interesting spot where you're a legitimate playoff contender. You've got one incredibly tough game coming up against the chiefs this week at home. And then you've got five very winnable games and it does feel like all of a sudden, if like if they lose to the Chiefs and then go like two and three or like a disappointing three and two or worse in those games. Now, all of a sudden, that feels like a disappointment again. So is there is there or where are you at from like what now constitutes a successful season based on where Green Bay's at right now? How do they need to play out the remainder of this schedule?
2: Yeah, so I've looked a lot at the playoff numbers recently. Same. Um probably way too much for a team that has a, you know, a fan of a team that has a sub 500 record. Um, The Seahawks have a really tough schedule coming up. Um, They have three games that they could lose back to back. And I think they've lost three of their last four. That's a big opportunity. Plus if the Vikings lose, I mean, this is probably going up on Tuesday, but you know, if the Vikings lose on Monday night football, for whatever reason against the bears, they'll have as many losses as the Packers already. Right. So the Packers have as good of a shot. If you look at, um the analytics and you know what they say. The Packers have as good of a shot at the sixth seed as they do the seventh seed at this yep. point. It's about a 25% chance uh for for you know either of them. Um I think if the Packers win four more games, they're probably gonna end up making it into the playoffs as you know, either the the six or seven. Um they need one of Minnesota or Seattle to kind of completely collapse and then not get chumped by like the Rams. Um, but the Rams and Saints are right behind them. And, you know, the Packers have had to head wins over okay. both of them. Um, so that's going to be a key thing. I, I still, again, am still kind of on the I don't care about the results as much as the process and, like, what it looks like. Um, consistency in the offensive passing game I think is going to be a big deal. Um, I don't know if I need to see the consistency on the offensive line because I don't know what the heck we're going to do Next season. Right. I think we're still getting We're still trying to figure out what the answer is there. Like, could we take a left tackle? Could David Bakhtiari be playing left tackle? Could Sean Ryan get a full season of, of right guard reps? Right. Um, do we add some competition there and have someone battle Sean Ryan for that? We have I think it's five picks in the top 80 as it stands yeah. right now in, in next year's draft. Um, I think it's like four in the top 45 or something like that. Uh, Packers are like fourth in draft capital behind who is it? Uh, the Cardinals, the Bears, who obviously both of those teams own multiple first round picks, and then the Commanders, a team that has two second round picks, and then also owns its original third. Um, so I'm really looking at like positions that we know are going to be around. So like the offensive side, right? It's the offensive passing game. Those guys are all young; they're all getting reps. I would like to see the consistency there so that we can rule out like, okay, we don't need to be in the market for a first round wide receiver, right? Um on the defensive side, I want to see the pass rush continue to do well. Um, partially because we paid Gary all that money, but also because like that's kind of how this defense is structured, and you need to be good up there. So I, I would like to see that continue moving forward. And then probably the cornerback position, right? Um if Carrington Valentine can become a starter or if he could even potentially play like the nickel role next year, that would go a very, very long way. So like Carl Brooks, Carrington, Valentine, all the young wide receivers, Jordan love. Like that's where I want to see consistency down the stretch. And I don't really care what it looks like if they're competitive in these games and they end up losing, but it looks good. Like
3: I'm there too. What, whatever, you know, I'm already losing track because there were two games within five days of which game was which and what plays happened in which game. Like, I'm definitely at that point already. There was a play where Carrington Valentine was in the slot, and I, yeah, I forget which game it was, but it looked really freaking good. And I'm there was just one of those things that I like earmarked in the moment of like, oh, okay. Like, Nixon's a free agent in an ideal world. If everyone's playing at their ceiling, you would love Stokes and Alexander to play on the outside at some point. And then that opens up a slot spot. And if he could do that, and I think he can, I really do think he can. That's an issue. Now he needs to tackle better because it's one thing to cover from the slot. And it's another to play run defense from the slot. And that could be a big issue for him. And I do have some concerns, especially if it's a Stokes, Valentine, Jair uh, corner group of some of the run defense and tackling. Um, So they might have to figure out something there, but that that's one Valentine in the slot that I'm just kind of keeping a little bit of an eye on because there's a couple snaps where he gets it sometimes just because there's two wide receivers on one side, none on the other, whatever, but there's a couple snaps out there. I'm just like, all right, I can see it. I can, like, I can see the potential vision for it and I'm a little bit excited by it. Yeah. Just, I just want to see guys solidify that roles on this yeah. team and,
2: you know, take a grasp of it and don't let go. Right. For force the team to spend those draft picks elsewhere, because I think it's uh, 11 draft picks. The Packers are scheduled to have right now. Um, There's not 11 roster spots on this team. If you know, even after free agency and all that stuff, you know, some of these guys are going to be put in positions where they're going to have to compete to keep their jobs next season. So but you lost, Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's good and that's what you want to see and that's healthy and you know competition is everything and all that stuff and 2025 the the money will be freed up where you can hit free agency again and fill up those holes that you weren't able to fill up in the draft and that's what this whole thing is about so I just want to see the young players I want to see them do well I want to see them you know to give the team no excuse to spend a pick there
3: Yeah, so just to follow up on a couple things you said, those top five draft picks, number 13, as at least as this was as of yesterday, uh, pick 13, 39, 44, 79, and 80 with the Bills and Jets picks continuing to to slide down in a very good way for Green Bay. And then that Seattle next three games is at Cowboys, at 49ers, Eagles at home. Cowboys, 49ers Eagles next three games for the The Seahawks.
2: Seahawks, Three of their last four. DK is saying defensive players have more touchdowns than him. I mean, (laughs) Seattle is not in a good place right now as someone who lives in the Pacific Northwest and has to hear Seahawks fans all the time. So
3: they have a chance in their final three. They've got at Titans, but it's an away game. Steelers at home, which Steelers are always just a pain to play no matter what. And they got a new coordinator. Seahawks are not good at stopping the run. So those Titans and
2: Steelers games might be a little trickier for them than people expect too.
3: And then their last week is at Cardinals. So which who knows what to expect from that one. But those first three man, at Cowboys at 49ers Eagles at home will be very interesting. And like, if they lose all three, like just imagine where they're at too, from like a, you know, mental standpoint of like things just completely fell apart at that point, which is obviously never great either, but a couple other ones. And I got to get you out of here. Uh, Resul Douglas has been a little bit of a topic of conversation. I saw some people on social media saying like, well, now that Green Bay is doing better, it really looks stupid that they traded away Razul Douglas because how awesome would it be if they still had him in the secondary? I'm not there. Uh, Green Bay has won three of their last four games without Razul Douglas. And you're getting an opportunity to look at guys like Carrington Valentine. Um, you, you would, of course, love that guy on the team. I don't think there's any arguing that, but I it, nothing has changed for me.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they pull that trigger if they know that they're starting Corey Valentine down the stretch. Um, But they made the decision at that point that, you know, with all these bodies at the cornerback room, they wanted to see if they can get anything out of Carrington Valentine, right, which is, you know, again, an important thing moving forward. Um, Stokes is going to need to get reps. I don't think they ever really had a plan for what it looks like when all of those guys are healthy, plus Keyshawn, right, because Keyshawn's been playing in the slot the the whole time they just made a decision about the future of the team and who knows if they would have even kept that Russell contract going into next season. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing that's kind of, you know, floating around. So I don't think they really regret it. Um, you know, Russell was a good player. I mean, you, know, you heard about um, all the, all the comments that his teammates made when, when he was on the way out, how, you know, they traveled to the facility, they had like dinner with him, after the trade was announced, all that stuff, Um I'm sure it was a tough thing to do, but I mean, they did it. There's no crying over spilled milk. I I, I, don't, I don't think they regret it by any means, and I don't think Buffalo regrets it either, even though they're no. losing ballgames. I mean, he's playing pretty well for them.
3: Yeah, I think so far, I mean... It hasn't been a win-win because the Bills keep losing games in, right. in that stretch, unfortunately. But overall, like you said, I don't think Green Bay is upset by it. I don't think Green Bay or excuse me, Buffalo is upset by it. Um, I don't think if the trade deadline were like next week, I don't think they'd be swapping back and be like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! actually we're both good. Uh, we'll Bills keep the third round pick Green Bay keeps result Douglas, but yeah, I, I'm there with you. I think uh, they're very happy with the way results playing and it's worked out fine for Green Bay so far. A right, couple last ones. Green Bay's off season a little bit of a topic of conversation lately, just in a in a kind of a positive way for Goody and the way things have you know kind of worked out. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is impossible to dissect based on the fact that he played three snaps and tore his Achilles, so we can't really have too much. Although I think the way Jordan's playing and all those sort of things, getting off the contract and having a better record at this point right now than they did at this point a season ago, I think that's obviously trending in a very good spot for Green Bay, but. All the other players that had like any sort of significant and even that's a little bit in quotes, uh, playing time from last season. Randall Cobb, 173 snaps for the Jets. This was as of a few days ago. So some of these might have been upgraded since the, the weekend. But when I put this together, Randall days- Cobb did not play in that game. No, he I did not. Confirm. Yeah, no, he did not. 173 snaps, 46.5 grade by PFF. Alan Lazard, 528 snaps, 55.4 grade, and was a healthy scratch this past week. He's going to be a fourth-round compensatory draft pick for the Packers. For Green Bay, that's actually a huge, huge move for them. Mercedes Lewis, 185 snaps, 74.3 grade. Good grade, but isn't really getting on the field all that much, which is not totally unexpected. Bobby Tunyon, 174 snaps, less than Lewis is getting, 46.8 grade. Again, 60 is average for PFF, for those listening. Dean Lowry, 237 snaps, 47.4 grade. I think he just suffered a either a season-ending injury or like a significant injury of some extent too recently. Jerron Reed for the Seahawks, 520. I think he's back with Seattle, right? Maybe I'm mm-hmm. wrong on that. Yes. He, yeah, okay, 526 snaps, uh, 58.9 grade. Chris Barnes, of all people, 84.3 grade, but only 155 snaps, very limited playing time. Before uh, like two weeks ago, he was like barely playing. And then Adrian Amos, 257 snaps, currently being used on special teams as well. 71.5 grade on defense overall, not any uh, spilt milk that green Bay's crying over too much from their loss of free agents this past summer. Yeah, I think um, the only two I was on the fence about in terms of, you
2: know, potentially retaining were Amos just because of how the cornerback room or the safety room looked like, but he's not getting that much burn in New York and, I think it was pretty clear last year that his legs were starting to go. So I haven't Big been team. paying that close, especially to, you know, a rotational safety in New York. Um, but it, if the declining legs continued, I completely understand. Um, and then the other one was Sadie's. Like I don't yeah. know, man. Sadie's could have played for me forever. Like that's, I always look at that one and just be like, I don't know, man. He could have groomed these tight ends, but like Musgrave seems like he's getting it perfectly fine, and you know, Craft is coming coming out the past couple weeks. So um, yeah, I mean, between that and then, you know, MVS isn't looking that good in Kansas city either. Right. Um, He he got one of those 10 million per year deals. Um, Gooch draft picks have been looking really good this past season. So yeah, I mean, hard to criticize it. Um, I know some people (laughs) will, I won't stop some of you, but he's been doing pretty good. No, he has. I'm with you. Mercedes, plus, the plus like the the Jenkins extension and the Rashon Gary extension, both of those things were pretty big deals for the franchise, and both of them already look like steals. I know Jenkins hasn't had the year that a lot of people expected him to have, but if you look at the guard market right now, just the offensive line market in general, like Kansas City's playing some bad tackle, paying some bad tackles a whole lot a of lot money.
3: Of- and for Jenkins, for me, early in the season, I didn't think it looked good at all. Uh, these past four or five weeks, he, in my opinion, he's been really, really good. He's really just like settled down and he started looking like Elton Jenkins again, in which case you don't mind that contract in any way, shape or form. And uh, to, I mean, to me, him and Zach Tom are still going to anchor that offensive line moving forward. And I don't think anyone's too upset about those guys being on the line. So I don't mind that. Like I was going to say, Mercedes is the one to, I know they're not playing the same position, but DeGuara really like fell out of the rotation anyway. To me, if they would have kept Mercedes and moved on from DeGuara, I would have loved that decision, but, it is what it is. And again, it's like, again, loses at 185 snaps. It's not the end of the world one way or the other. Maybe you would have played a little bit more in Green Bay, but you don't want to stunt the growth of Musgrave or, uh, or Kraft or any of those guys either. I really like Ben Sims, too, very quietly. Like, I like yeah. the way he's coming along, and I think he's got some potential. All right, last, last thing, really quick. Thoughts quickly on Packers Chiefs.
2: will be a fun rematch, right, of, you know, we're going to get hit over the head about Love's first start and all that stuff. Um Kansas city is really struggling right now. Again, you know, we mentioned bad, bad tackle play. Um, the wide receivers aren't panning out for that team. Like we thought, I think it's going to be a really interesting um, situation with Kelsey. Um, I'm sure yeah. we're going to get plenty of Travis Kelsey talk uh, between now and uh, kickoff, but the Packers kind of got abused by those chargers tight ends for a while in in part because the chargers don't have any wide receivers. I know they just uh, benched Quinn Johnston, the uh, first one wide receiver that played against Green Bay in this past game. Um, but the Packers are going to play their corners and they're going to play them in soft zones. And they're not going to be one of these teams that, you know, moves out an inside linebacker to tra- cover Travis Kelsey because they're playing so much man coverage. Right. right. Um, I kind of think that breaks in the Packers favor. And the problem right now is if it's not Travis Kelsey, who's it going to be? For the Chiefs because they don't have that many weapons. Um, maybe you get no. beat over the top by MVS once, but like, is he going to beat you over the top three times? Because you're probably going to need three times. Um, so that yeah, I mean,
3: Tampa Bay gamble in the NFC Championship game. You, if we're going to let you yeah. run MVS deep, and you're not going to connect on it enough to make you make them pay, and they they were right. Yep. So. I mean, similar to the things that we were saying about,
2: you know, what do you want to see from the team moving forward? I mean, I think those positions are also the ones you want to highlight, right? Where it's, you know, cornerbacks, can you not get burnt deep, basically, on some of these Patrick Mahomes weird scramble plays? Pass rush, can you get home consistently against some uh, bad performances on the offensive line that the Chiefs are having right now? Um, on the offense, you know, are you going to be able to operate against the Spagnuolo type of defense? You got a kind a little bit of a look at it against the Vikings um, Spagnuolo is going to do a little bit of different stuff, but you know, the Vikings are plenty bl- blitz heavy too. You know, Here, here's another opportunity at it. Oh, and you have the Vikings, you know, in the second half of the season too, you ha- you got another one coming up in the rematch for that. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I think, the, you know, famous last words is the Packers, you know, might have a chance in this one, but that's kind of where I'm feeling right now. Like I'm, I wouldn't totally count out the Packers, the chiefs, aren't playing as good of football as you would expect them to. Plus, you know, green base coming off of extended rest. Kansas city just had to come back from 14 points against the Raiders. They got, they got a shot. It's the NFL.
3: I think so too. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think it's going to be semi-competitive uh, one way or the other. And, I'm I'm interested in the cat and mouse game between Spagnolo and this Packers offense cuz uh, again all the talk is going to be about how they blitzed the heck out of, you know, Jordan the last time and they didn't have a response for it. It was already the talk in the press conference today and then like all right so does spags come out and like show like a heavy rush and then just drop everyone in coverage expecting green bay to expect the blitz or does like i'm, I'm just in- interested to see like how they go back and forth Or does like spags bring the house on the first play of the game and then like green bay has to be ready for it the rest of the game and then they just don't do it like all those things are going to be so interesting to me just how they kind of play off of all of that but I'm i'm really excited i think this is a little bit of a house money game just like detroit yeah. was and Hey, yeah, go, go spin the wheel a field time. See what you can come up with and maybe hit whatever's good on the wheel. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and if they do win this one, I mean,
2: who boy. That's Playoff, a, playoffs, playoffs.
3: Playoffs. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. If they win this one, like look the heck out because somehow Green Bay caught some magic in the bottle and now they've got five winnable games left with back-to-back-to-back wins against uh, the Chargers, the Lions, and the Chiefs like, Sign me up, Mark, or uh, Justice. Sign me the heck
2: up. Tommy DeVito just won a game by scoring 10 points. That will not be happening against the Green Bay Packers. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, we're I don't about to so play either. some some bad football teams down the stretch. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how this pans out at the end. Um, just want to see the offense be able to click. If, if you look functional against Spagnuolo and they continue this passing game momentum moving forward, I'm very
3: happy. Right there with you. Justice, you are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for doing this every week. Love these conversations. Where can all the fine folks find you on social and find all your amazing work? Uh, You can find me on acmepackingcompany.com. As I mentioned, you know, throwing up a bunch
2: of stuff on the site uh, today. And you can find me on the uh, Acme Packing Company podcast feed. I'm probably doing like three a week now. I'm trying to think. Podcasts um, on the feed. Find me on Twitter slash X slash whatever. Uh, at at Jumos J U M O S Q, and you can watch my Oregon Ducks on Friday take on the Washington Huskies. I need this win yeah, okay. more than anything.
3: What what more than anything? I
2: need this game more than anything. I need a win. I need a win. I need the last Pac-12 championship. I need the title belt.
3: There, there's no chance for Oregon to get in the final four, is there? Could, could they still? Could they still How do it? How dare you! I, 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 I just it. don't. I don't follow it enough. That's not that's not that's an insult towards me of not like knowing. I I honestly don't know. Yes.
2: I, I, I think it's a win and in situation, but Ooh. there's a lot of weird things happening in college football right now. Where like, you know, if Bama beats Georgia, then what happens? Texas is lingering around, they think they have a chance. Ohio State fans are very loud. I don't think they have a chance. Um, so yeah. I, I think Oregon is is win in, but
3: we'll see. Okay. Interesting. It'll, I, I know there's a lot of chaos because a lot of different things could happen, but that's the extent of my college football playoff knowledge. Um, I would love to follow it closer during the season, but unfortunately time just does not allow that to be the case. Go follow him at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. For Justice and Acme Packing Company, myself and Packaday Podcast. That does it for us. Until next time, and as always, go Packo. Go